Welcome to Our Tribe, the podcast that sits down with Jewish professionals and entrepreneurs to hear their stories, share their advice, and bear their Jewish souls. Now here's your host, Rabbi Tovia Kopsty. Welcome back to Our Tribe, the podcast. I'm Tuvia Kopstein. In this episode, we have the pleasure of sitting down with Esther Raises Lohenbein. Esther is a superstar in the world of commercial real estate as an agent, as, an, as someone who raises equity, connects partners together, finds the deals. And, she, and in this episode, we sit down with her. We talk about how she got into it, how she sort of fell into it, how she developed herself, how she developed her craft, what a crazy world it is, the frustrations, the victories, and we know you'll love this episode. The Our Tribe, the podcast, is powered by the Podcast Fellowship, which is an international Jewish outreach nonprofit, which helps Jewish young adults with little or no Jewish education to start connecting and understanding what it means to be Jewish from the sources all over the world. Without any further ado, Our Tribe, the podcast with Esther Raises Lowenbein. Okay, we're here with Esther. Esther, how do you like to be introduced with both names? How do we how do we pronounce your name? Esther Raises Lowenbein. However, okay. any combination. Esther, Esther. Either one. Okay, so we're here with Esther Raises Lowenbein, and we appreciate your time, Esther. Thank you so much for joining us. Sure. Okay, and we loved. We I know that you are, you are a, a real estate. Uh, mover and shaker and and you do so much in that world i'm not so familiar with that world so i want you to teach me and our and our listeners will learn as well but but first let's start from the very beginning let's start from your from your upbringing what where you started from what career you thought you were going into and how you eventually got to real estate okay sure so i graduated high school and i had my focus on becoming a speech language pathologist um, so like most of my colleagues and friends went to seminary, I actually stayed in Brooklyn to go to I stay in seminary in Brooklyn. Um, I attended seminary in the morning. Just to clarify, you went to, you went to a regular Orthodox Jewish girl school. Correct. Okay. Yes. Okay. High school okay. in Fahrenheit. Okay. Got it. Um, and then I attended, I, I had my eye on, um, speech language mythology. And I was ready to get started, super determined. So I started right after high school. I went to seminary in the morning and college at night, which was a little crazy, but I did it because I was so determined to um, get my degree and get going. Um, I have that personality that once I decide to do something, I go out for it all the way. Um, and in, in seminary, just 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 because our listeners don't know, in seminary you were they're, they're generally teaching you how to be a teacher in Jewish um, schools. Or what was the what was the exact track on of that? It was just like a continuation sort of high school uh-huh. at a higher level. Um, so not had, for career purposes. Exactly, not for okay. career purposes. Yeah, um, we did obtain some credits. I did uh-huh. get credits from high school that I um, you know used my degree. So that was nice. Um, you know, I was to use that time. It was, it was a little bit, but it, it helped. Um, so like that, I remained in the Jewish, uh, frame or sphere, however you call it. And I also attended Torah College, which was a women's only college at night. Um, and it was nice to see a bunch of my friends that year. So it ended up being really nice. We had a great time. Um, but I worked really hard going to school and college at the same time. Seminary and college at the same time. It's, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of schooling. And I'm a perfectionist, so I like to do really well. Um, we did it. We did it. So then I, I obtained my uh, bachelor's and I, just, I went to Adapa University for my master's. I graduated speech language pathology in 2007. Um, I'm having trouble with the audio. I'm not hearing every, oh. everything. Yeah. Hold on, I'll do this. I'll connect my. I am a little tired today, so if I'm speaking slow, excuse me. It's fine. I'm gonna the, pace is, the pace is good. The volume could go, could be a little okay, bit more, more consistent. I'm my microphone, so you guys better let me know if that helps. Okay. Yeah. Do you hear me now? Yeah, much better. Okay. Awesome. Um. So yeah, I'm a little slow today. I'm tired. <laughs> Um, we had my daughter's birthday party last night. So, oh, yeah. Thank you. My baby's birthday today. 
Um, so yes, I obtained my bachelor's from Turo and then I went to Adelphi University and obtained my master's degree, um, excelled in, at my master's degree, did really well that my professor even begged me to stay and go for my doctorate. And at that point I was expecting my second child. I'm like, oh, this is not happening. Um, it was hard to go to, uh, through schooling with, with the baby. But my mother was super helpful and she was, you know, on board to help me succeed and get there. Um, did that. I worked as a speech language pathologist for about 10 years. I loved it. I loved uh, helping the children with their speech issues and um, interacting with the students. It was really nice, but I wasn't really, really happy. Like it wasn't bringing me fulfillment. I always felt like I had something more to give. Um, that's just me. Like I'm a high achiever. So I loved it. You know, there was, it was great. It was rewarding to, you know, see children progress. It was really nice. And at that time we were still living in Brooklyn. Uh, when I was still working as a speech language pathologist, we then moved to Rockland County about five years ago. And for, for that reason, number one, not being, not feeling fulfilled as well as working with children all day and then coming home to children, that was getting too much. So I needed a break from that. Uh, also, the system of speech language pathology in Brooklyn is very different than it is in Rockland. In Brooklyn, I worked in one school or two and, you know, had my, um, my closet full of stuff and we worked back to back. In Rockland, every agency gets random cases all over. So it was a lot of traveling. So that got to me. I'm like, I, I can't do this. Uh, maybe I was getting too old. I don't know. So all those three combinations, I just needed to change and, uh, I was trying to find something that I would love. And I'm a massive extrovert, if you couldn't tell that already. I love getting to meet people and um, getting to talk to people, hearing people's stories. So I was trying to f- uh, figure out what job I can do that would bring me fulfillment without having to go back to school. So I landed in real estate. Um, I guess that's the very easy choice. It's a 72-hour course okay. um, that's, you know, it's doable. And, um, and what's the 72 hour course to train to be a broker or to do what? To get your license, a okay. salesperson's license. Okay. Um, broker is the next level that okay. I, I don't, I don't have that right now. Um, but anyway, I started as a residential uh, realtor in my area and I didn't love it, but I actually always wanted to go into commercial. I figured that would be, I, knowing myself, that would probably be better. But the broker in charge convinced me to start with residential first. So I was like, okay, why not? You know, I don't mind showing people houses. I like it. Uh, I like getting to know people. So why not? Right. Showed people a bunch of houses, which was nice. It was fun, but, um, I, I, I couldn't like, uh, get past the fact that people were, you know, it would be crazy that they were going over the tiles, you know, like back and forth and which is, I, I, you know, we all love pretty things, but it's, it was just too much for me. And it was also a weekend job. So residential is more of a weekend job than commercial. Commercial is also very factual based. It's like, uh, do, do the numbers work? Does the location work? Does the asset work for the investment? It's, it's versus, uh, an emotional, um, choice of choosing bathroom tiles. So I wanted to be in that like fast paced, yes or no. Does it work? Does it not work kind of, um, situation? And there were other reasons also. I went straight into commercial. And I said goodbye to residential. Um, started doing commercial, started transacting. And then I had one client that I sold a property to ask me to help them find equity for a deal. So I figured, you know, I made a nice commission on the deal. Why not help them? Right? Why not? I knew nothing about raising equity at the time. Um, I managed within two phone calls to find them an equity partner. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. I found them an equity partner. I started learning more about the business. I'm like, why not do more of this? So that's how I literally rolled into reconnecting equity for sponsors. I uh, started connecting partners together, people that have a say in the deal together, um, and started making like match. I started acting like a, like a matchmaker and started connecting sponsors and partners together. Um, I took it to the next level because I have an education background and I'm passionate about real estate. So I decided to start a private equity fund 
where I help people invest in real estate on, on smaller scales. Like if someone wants to come in as a passive investor into a large deal, they could come in with 50,000 versus a few million. Um, so me having the education background and being passionate about real estate, I decided to do that to enable more people to come in um, to benefit from state investments and learn all about that. So that's pretty much where I am right now. I'm also, um, besides for that, my husband was investing in real estate for many years. At the time, I knew nothing about real estate. I wasn't involved. So much so that when we bought our first house about, <clears throat> about five and a half years ago, I didn't even know what a mortgage was because I never had to. Um, and now I'm transacting hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> Fast forward. So um, when I got involved with with what he was doing, it accelerated things so much more. So um, it was like pedal to the metal. He was investing, but now it's like so much more. In the last year, him and his partners bought 12 large commercial properties. I take a little credit in that. Um, and I raise... I Does he pay you a commission? Um, sometimes because their part, their, their partners involved. So, okay. Got it. Yeah. 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 So sometimes I'll get my commission. Um, and so I do, we do now a few things. We are, I'm a realtor, I'm an investor and a capital connector. So mm-hmm. I do a few things in the commercial real estate space. That's I'm going to play, I'm going to play the role of, of totally ignorant student because I am. So tell me, what is it, what does it mean raising equity? What if somebody asks you, somebody you're doing a deal with, you're selling a commercial property and he asks you to raise equity. What, what's that for? So in easy terms, equity is the down payments. So if someone's buying a $10 million property, um, the bank would until a few months ago would give, let's say 75% and they'd have to come up with that 25%. I'd come in and help them. What if they didn't have the 25%, but they wanted to buy the $10 million building. So I would connect them to a partner. You could, I can connect them to an active partner or a passive partner. Um, if you want me to explain it, I can. Should I go into sure. it? Yeah, yeah, please. Okay. Okay. So let's say, let's say the $10 million building, let's say the part, the, he needs two and a half million dollars to come up for the down payments, which is 25%. So he doesn't have that. Let's say, so I'm going to go out and find either one partner that has that two and a half million and they become two active partners together where they both have a say in the deal. They're both equal decision makers. Or I can syndicate the deal where I raise money through my fund from, let's say, $50,000 from a bunch of individuals, however many um, it equals to. And also depends how much money the, the, the sponsor, who is the, the sponsor is called the buyer. It's another name for buyer. Okay. So it depends how much money the sponsor slash buyer is putting into the deal as well. <laughs> and then sometimes you're also raising money for the CapEx, which is um, the uh, the rehabs that you're doing to the property. You know what? Well, what the property needs improvements on. So oftentimes we're raising money for that as well. Nowadays, the LTV, the loan to value ratio is totally different. The banks are not lending at 75%. So equity became even more popular, mm-hmm. which is a whole nother story right now. It's absolutely crazy. The market's crazy. Um, I want to talk about that, but just, just, uh, just to stay on this point, the active partners and, or the, and, or the passive partners, the syndicates, they all work amongst them, work out amongst themselves, how much of a percentage they're going to get on the profits. And they, that, that's not, you don't get involved with that or do, so, you, do you get involved with the nego- actual negotiations? That's a great question. So I, if I'm connecting two partners together as co-GPs where they come in as co-general partners, which is active partners, then I connect them. They work out their structures together. If I'm connecting passive investors, then it's my responsibility. Mm-hmm. That, that's where it's my responsibility. I have to make sure it's a good deal. I have to make sure the sponsor is a mensch um, and it has a good track record. So I do a lot of homework when I'm raising from limited partners. I take it very seriously because I'm dealing with other people's money and I treat it as it's myself, my own. And I won't raise money from other people uh, without putting my own money in, meaning I put my own money into every single deal that I raise money from. So mm-hmm. I have to really get the opportunity in order to raise money from uh, passive investors, which is limited partners. Um, and those cases, limited partners, it's the sponsor that sets the return. Mm-hmm. The sponsor sets the return. And then I can take a, a piece for myself if I'm coming in, you know what I mean? So it's me and the sponsor that's setting the the um the returns the metrics the setting sorry so explain please setting the return that means that you can make up to this point this 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 amount is the cap of what you can make on this investment and i keep the rest is that what it means 
So every single deal is different, right? Um, some deals offer cash flow immediately. Some, some deals are ground up. So they don't offer cash flow immediately. Every deal will offer a different cash on cash, a different return on your investment, a different IRR, all these terms. I'm just throwing it at you, but every single deal is different. So when I present a deal to investor, I'm going to let them know if you put in 50,000 or 100,000 on this deal, this is what you're this is what the deal's projected to make. These are your projected, hopefully, that they could achieve those returns. Mm-hmm. These are the projected returns. So every single deal is different. So if I come in, let's say the last deal I did, let's say, for example, I raised money for a property in Corpus Christi, Texas. Um, so that nice deal. Nice Jewish sounding place. <laughs> yes. That deal offered a 17% average annual return on the investment which is really nice. Um, today's days, I don't know if we can get that, but which is, let's say if someone will put in a hundred thousand dollars, they would receive on average 17% on that, on their a hundred thousand dollars over, over three years. Yeah. You mean they, they get 70% every year for three years? On average. Yeah. Okay. Some deals are three years. Some deals are five years. Some deals are seven year holds. Mm-hmm. Every single deal is a different structure. Okay. But basically, I help sponsors find sponsors, which is partners, find partners, either active or passive. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. And thus, and therefore also help investors invest in real estate. And why am I so passionate about real estate? For many reasons. Number one, it's a tangible physical asset. So you can actually go and touch the asset. You can go and see an asset. It's not like a stock that's, that's fluctuating. It's, it's more stable than the stock market. Um, you more know, stable than cryptocurrency. More stable than cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. You know, a stock market can fl- flop if there's some scandal. Real estate, the value of the real estate won't drop based on a scandal. It won't be based on a specific individual. Yes, right now, times are crazy. Every single investment is a risk, including real estate. Right now, times are crazy. The rates are going up. So that is affecting the value of the property because properties are going down in value. If the, you know, in order to keep on moving, if someone wants to buy a property or if a seller wants to sell a property, he's, right now he's going to have to lower his price in order to sell it because it's not the same. It's not going to offer the same returns based on today's interest rates. Because if someone's paying the same, um, paying the same million dollar for the same deal he was paying six months ago, his interest rates are a few points higher. The deal is not going to profit. So buyers aren't buying at the same rates that they were buying just a few months ago, unless they have seller financing or they have some really good rate or deal that they're getting um, or the seller has to drop his price. So or they have cash that they don't or have, they have cash. Yeah. Correct. Which okay. is really nice to have cash to buy millions of dollars of real estate. Mm-hmm. Not everyone's in that position, but um, yeah, if you have cash, you're king, you're king these days. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Now this, this um, protocol that you set up, of, of you won't invest, you won't get other investors to buy in on a deal until you're investing yourself. Where where did you learn that from? From myself, because I take people's money very seriously. Um, I care about others as I care about myself. Um, I will not. There there are many people that you have to be aware of in this industry, um, as in every single industry, and there are names floating out there that don't have good names. By me, my motto is honesty and transparency. And I have to really like a deal in order to go into it. And in order to show my investors that I really like it, I put my own money in. Mm-hmm. So that was, uh-huh. okay, I get it. Uh, I'm putting um, the skin of my own in the game. Like I'm mm-hmm. showing the investors that I like the deal enough to pitch it to them. I won't pitch an idea that I don't believe in. Do you, know other pe- do you know other people that, that hold also by this policy? And you, or, or did you just decide on your own that I'm, this is my way to show that this is, this, this is a way, I'm sorry, what I'm asking is, this is a way to show that you believe in it, therefore you'll, you'll get investors, or is this really something you want a part of? Or both? Well, well I, I have to like the deal and the sponsor yeah. very much in order to go into a deal. I will not okay. go into a deal for the sponsor. In order to go into a deal, the sponsor has to have, first of all, I have to consider him a mensch. I, I do research on the sponsor. Mm-hmm. Um, every deal... You know, you can have a, a good deal and it could be, you could go into the garbage if the sponsor isn't good and vice versa. You can have a terrible deal and you can have a great sponsor that could turn it, you know, into gold. And also a, a 
good sponsor will take care of his, of his or her investors when times are hard. Um, and a not good sponsor and not a person that's not a mensch will take everything for himself initially. So sponsors always, investors always come first. Mm-hmm. Sorry if I'm mixing up terms. <laughs> investors always come first. Mm-hmm. The other person's money will always come before mine, basically. So does that make sense? Yeah. How do you do the research on a, on, on a sponsor? Are you calling for references? Are you calling people they did deals with in the past? Yes. Yeah. Calling people, checking their everywhere online. Um, word goes around really quickly when people are unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people that I will not work with because I've heard things about them and they don't have happy investors. So I will never work with those individuals because first of all, my reputation is very important to me. And second of all, I will put my own money in or anyone else's money into those deals. Um, yeah, so it came for me because unfortunately there are many invest sponsors that won't put their own money in and oftentimes investors won't come into the deal if they don't they don't put their own money into the deal the investors want to see that the that the sponsors can actually put their money where their mouth is and you know put their own some people well people didn't make money putting deals together with absolutely not a cent like without a cent with absolutely no money of their own People have done that. Look at Larry Silverstein, for example. He started his home, his, his, this entire uh, business without putting down a cent. He started collecting money from others and he was successful. He did well. He didn't have money. He had, he had a lot of luck, but most, most investors will want to see that the sponsor puts down something. Now, I think a question a lot of people have when they want to know how to get started is, do you have to have money to get started? Are you, if, in order to be in real estate, you you want to you want to show the show the show the investors that you're also in on the deal, so you have to have something to start with. Is there a way to get into this without with with coming with nothing? Starting That's a good nothing? question. Well, you could come into deals if you want to be the asset manager, or the property manager, or if you want to learn how to underwrite. If you're doing, if you're contributing a different ta- um, uh, part to the deal, that's not necessarily money. There are ways you could come in otherwise, but it's work. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now let's, I have questions about what, what is your, your Jewish upbringing, your observance? What is it? How does it inform what you do in your professional life? Besides the fact that you be the integrity that people want to see that you're also in, in on the deal that your word is, you want people to, to, you want to build a good reputation of being a mensch and you're looking, you're looking into who, who is a mensch. That's a, a phrase you use, but tell, tell us some, give us some insight, please. Okay. Well, um, this business is not hard. It's not, sorry. It's not easy. Sorry. This business is not easy. So I'm so tired. <laughs> um, so this business, like at the end of the day, you always have to lead back to Hashem because Hashem God, because, you know, as you're transacting and you realize so much that nothing's in your hands, you could only try and try and try. And at the end of the day, some things go, some things don't go. Um, there's so much faith involved in this business and so much of letting go and letting God, you know, you have to do what you can as much as you can. You cannot be lazy. You have to hustle away. It's like, I am tired. I work 24 (laughs) six in between my kids. I'm working all day. Um, and it's a really tough job. And most of what I work on doesn't come to fruition, doesn't work out. So there's so much faith involved and so much, you know, leaving it up to Hashem. So that's been a huge factor in my business um additionally is that that something i'm sorry to interrupt is that something that you start with or is is that something that you've built being in this business that's something that you that has become more real for you or is it something that you already had those tools so therefore you're you're able to to handle the stresses and the failures well definitely became much more apparent to me as i was going because at the beginning i used to get very upset very Uh often and number one that's not healthy and number two that doesn't help me um, so, um, and, and you come to realize that everything's from Hashem. So if the deal goes through, it's meant to be, if it doesn't go through, it's not meant to be. I obviously, I was, it's not so much in my nature to believe that, but I worked on myself to believe that and to trust in Hashem. And the more I let go and the more I let God, the more things actually start flowing. Um, it's still a lot of work. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. But it sounded like you're telling your story of how you got in real estate just to push back a little bit. It sounded like it was 
they asked me for the equity department. Boom, it was there. And then I knew I was, you know, I was superwoman and I was, no, it wasn't didn't work yeah. that way. No, 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 no. Well, that, that deal worked that way. Okay. It was easy, but the, and that was the I, first one, right? That was the first one. So that was, that's what pushed me in. But I okay. tell people like people, I often, I'm also a little guilty of making everything look like rainbows and unicorns, but, um, my, I tell people that 95% of what I work on doesn't actually work out. Mm-hmm. It's that 5% or even sometimes even less of those things that I work on that work out and people are like wow you well you're doing it so glamorous i want to get into this, this business i'm like just come watch me for a day and see how much stress there is involved it's it's agony aggravation there's hundreds of hours that i could put into one thing and it doesn't go through whether you know the 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 buyer didn't come through the investor didn't come through or the deal that we're buying didn't come through it's aggravation um really like it's not all rainbows and unicorns it's a lot of hard work. People see how much work I have and how much I do. I, Barsham, I'm also doing this with a large family, um, alongside. Um, even so, I have tons of help at home and I got myself a driver and I'm still working more than I ever did. So the, uh, the workload is so much. It is so, so, so much. Uh, also, the, dri- the driver is to take the kids, to take the kids to school or the driver is for you? Both. Okay. <laughs> both. Um, yeah, today was my daughter's birthday, so I made sure to ride with her to school with the driver. But um, it's both because I'm working around the clock nonstop. If I tell you how much, you know, literally like in between my kids, 24-6, it's a, it's a ton, a ton of work um, nonstop. And there's a ton of networking and hustling and going and traveling. And um, it has to work for one's family. So thank God my husband has a job that he's he works also a lot, but he's sort of flexible so we're both flexible. We both make things work, but it's it takes so much from both of us. It's really wow. not easy. I always like laugh that someone should come, like just fill my day and see how crazy it is. <laughs> and and I, no Iris, we're going to, I just, somebody put a, a question in the chat. I, Iris, we're going to open up the, we're going to turn on the video and, and, and unmute the mics for the last 15 minutes or so of the podcast and everyone can ask their questions. Um, but thank you. Okay. So, so did, so you've discouraged a lot of people from going into real estate investing and, and connecting by, uh, or, or have, or some people said, I want to do it anyway. And, and, and you've helped them. You mentor, have you mentored anybody in this, uh, in this field? So I always tell people I'm happy to answer specific questions. Um, people mm-hmm. keep on asking me if I, if I could take on interns. I'm not there yet. I just hired my full-time first full-time employee recently. And we're, we're slowly building this. My, the equity part is only two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. um that it started so now, now it's becoming more more of a business we're organizing everything so i'm happy to answer specific questions that people have um when people ask me where do i get started um that's a tough one i always recommend people go out and listen to podcasts you know there's so much information out there and also really depends what you want to do i am a little crazy i do a few things in the business not everyone can do that Mm-hmm. Um, you have to find your niche and find what works for you and your family and your, your, your lifestyle. Um, so there are so many podcasts that you could just start listening to and see what actually is meant for you. Um, there's a guy, Yona Weiss, I don't know if you know him, but he has an amazing podcast. And th- what I like about it is that he interviews people from all different industries and different types. So he gives, and it, it's a professional podcast and you can actually gain a little knowledge about everything and then decide what you want to go into. There are also so many masterminds out there that I never, you know, I never joined any um, number one, because my schedule doesn't allow it. And number two, I don't want to be limited to what they're offering. I want to know everything or choose what I want to know. So I prefer listening to podcasts or searching YouTube for what I want. There's so much valuable info out there um, that I tell people, if you want to start, if you actually want to uh, also podcast, um, masterminds can cost $40,000. So I always tell people, if you want to um, start learning, you can actually start by investing $50,000 into a syndication. And instead of being that passive investor, just sitting back and waiting for your money, you can be an active passive investor where you start asking questions about the deal. And obviously you have to go in with someone that you trust and you do a little research about, but be that active passive investor where you start asking questions and learning about the deal. Um, start learning that way. That's a very good hands-on way to learn. And you're probably paying 
just as just about as much as you're paying for a mastermind out there mm-hmm. and a mastermind will only teach you specific things so there you know there's so many resources out there free resources out there that you can start listening to and see where you want to go from there was was there ever a time in your in this in this career that you felt like you want to give up and and just just oh just yes yeah yes yes it happens times. frequently it does oh. it happens um, there are a lot of dishonest people in the business, which is really hurtful to see. Um, it's the way of, the, you know, the name of the game. It's a shark business, sharky mm-hmm. people. Um, not everyone's, you know, doing the right thing. So that's tough. There are people that promised me things that they didn't deliver. Um, so you can't take anyone's word for anything. There are things that you work on so much and just falls through at the very end. Um, and, and, you know, there's also like, um, a lot of that comes to do with trust and people are waiting for me and it's, I'm waiting for the next person. And so it's a lot of aggravation. Yes. There were times that I wanted to just like stop it. And I felt like I was just wasting my time and just, um, you know, spinning wheels and nothing moving. Um, yeah, there was a lot of that, but, um, I do oh. enjoy the overall business. I like the hustle. I like when deals do come through. I'm a deal junkie. And I like meeting people. So it's all a people related business. So I do enjoy the basic part of it. Um, you do have to be uh, somewhat of an extrovert in order to go out and meet people. If you're an introvert, there are other tasks that you can do. You know, you can, um, learn how to underwrite or, you know, doing more of the behind the scenes stuff. There's enough, there's people of anyone can get involved in real estate, but, um, the extrovertness does help you network and get to meet people. And I enjoyed that part. So that's what keeps me going. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it, your involvement with your, your start with, um, with residential real estate, did that give you any, any tools that are, you, you used when you moved over to commercial? Uh, uh, good question. A, yeah. That's a good question. Um, I guess like a lot of the, you know, a, the way there are total, also different languages that you use with both, but just the basic idea of how real estate works mm-hmm. is sort of the same idea for residential versus commercial. Commercial is just a, an investment so versus residential is someone's house where they're living. And if someone's buying a residential home for business purposes, it's also different than buying a residential home to live in. Um, you know, residential, uh, commercial investment opportunity well, all boils down to the numbers. Does this investment work for me? Does this location work? Does this asset work? How much money am I going to make from it? Mm-hmm. So that's what it boils down to versus is this where I want to live? Do you know, do, do, do I like the structure of the house, etc.? Okay. Do you have any, uh, being an observant, uh, observant Jew, do you have any religious challenges in this field? The things that come up that you, that somebody, who's not in your situation wouldn't have a problem with or wouldn't have a challenge. Definitely. (laughs) Uh, So I go to a lot of networking events and the kosher food is, can be an issue. Some networking events have kosher food, which is really exciting. So I always have to come come prepared if they don't. Um, Oftentimes events take place in non kosher restaurants. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I join and I don't eat. I've actually had, really cool situations come out of that one time I was sitting in a restaurant and I wasn't eating I had my diet coke um or my coffee my black coffee and um someone came over to me and one time and asked me why aren't you eating so I I explained to him that I'm Jewish and he said he responded that he's also Jewish his mother converted to Christianity but he still knows that he's Jewish anyways he ended up connecting me to another Jewish investor that that um is still bringing me uh, is still benefiting me i actually have a follow-up meeting with that on thursday so you know be proud be who you are nothing that you do should ever affect your business like i only felt yes it's hard but i only felt that it brought me blessings and it brought me success being who i am people know who i am they know i'm observant um and it's I think it's, uh, you know, if you're proud of it, people respect it. Mm-hmm. There's so much going on nowadays with the celebrities and the anti-Semitic slurs. And do you, do you ever have to, do you ever have to deal with somebody who doesn't like you because you're Jewish? Uh, if I ever, if I ever had to deal with that at work, 
I don't think so. Not I'm trying to remember right now. But in general, no, most, life, of the, most, yeah. most of the people like me because I find them money. Uh, so, um, you know, they, they want to be my friend. They want me to help them find money. So, um, if maybe they keep, they keep their, their opinions to themselves. I don't, I don't, I can't remember right now any mm-hmm. of those issues I, I've had at work. But you see, I that think most missed- of the people in the business are respectful. We're not, mm-hmm. the people that are anti-Semitic are not those professionals that are hardworking. Those are the people that, that are a little bored or jealous. They're not the people that are hustling all day to, uh, and working hard and understanding the business that those are, I think it's a different dynamic of people. Okay. Maybe that's just my observation. You hinted that you might, that in your non-professional life, you might have encountered that. Is there anything, anything you want to share? Not that I remember the second. Something happened okay. to my friend recently. I'm trying to remember. Um, also, I, I don't know. I work from home. So maybe like I'm not out ah. there as much. I'm, I mean, uh, Instagram and, and social media, people often could respond things. Yes, that I've had in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't make, don't take it too seriously. Okay. Okay. I think that that's very good. If there's, um, I think we're ready to open up the floor for, for the questions. Um, yeah. There we go. Hi. Okay. Um, Hi. my name is Iris. Um, Hi. I'm, li- I'm living in New Jersey. Um, thank you so much for being here and talking to us about what you do. Um, I have, I guess a few questions, but one, you know, I guess I'll start with, you know, one question. Um, how did you get the courage to, um, to go into this, um, line of work? Um, because I feel like it's a very, yeah, like a lot of people get scared. There's risk involved. Um, what made you feel like I can do this? So that's a great question. So, um, depends which line of work you're referring to, because going into raising equity from people, I had to learn a lot of the regulations. I had to learn all the SEC rules. So that I, I take very seriously. It's the most regulated industry ever. So that comes with a lot of learning and um, having my, my attorney uh, on speed dial. <laughs> I'll just ask any question because I have to be very, very careful with um, other people's money. The SEC made guidelines to prevent people from being taken advantage of. So I had to study all that. And there's so many, so much to know of what kind of what what I can say and what I can say, what I could post, what I can post. There's there's so many guidelines going into that. Uh, what courage did I have to go into being a realtor and an investor? A realtor is, you know, I figured I'll try it. Why not? An investor, actually. Um, so my husband does a lot of that. Um, I focus more on the capital connecting. Him and him and his partners are buying the assets, but actually, real estate, in my opinion. I have to add that in my opinion has less risk than investing in other investments. Uh, for example, look at crypto, look at the stock market, look at tech. Um, there's so many tech, um, stocks or, uh, uh, what's called funds that went, that crashed. So in my opinion, uh, the reason I like real estate is because I'm not that much of a risk taker. I like stable more tangible assets. So I felt that uh, real estate in that perspective can is is for me because I'm not that much of a risk taker. My stomach can't handle it. So re- re- real estate spoke to me. It does come with a lot of risk. Um, that being said, there's so much one needs to do uh, research and due diligence on sponsors and on any opportunity that they get into. Yeah. I mean, I have some more questions, but I'll wait until everyone else asks. <laughs> okay. Are there other questions? I do have one. Um, sorry if there's a bit of background noise, but I feel like you have... Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, we can. Yeah. All right. Um, so I feel like you've described that you're working 24-6 and you're like always very busy and there's a lot of things to do and a lot of like things to handle with a big family and everything. So how do you feel like you find the energy to keep going and keep like striving and keep growing whatever your interest may be? Oh, that's a great question. So I am, um, I'm not a type of person. I don't do anything but work at my kids. So that's, I know I'm a little different. Um, and also like, I, I don't need that much downtime. I, I guess I can keep going until I crash. Um, that's, that's what I do. Don't learn from me. 
Um, it's, it's a crazy business. It's a hard, it's a hard thing to answer, but that's just my personality that I can keep going and going. And once in a while I'll get like really sick and crash. Um, I have to, I don't know. I take it after my mother. I don't know, I don't know how to help myself, <laughs> but uh, that's how I am. Yeah. No, adv- no advice there. Just don't do what I do. <laughs> What's your other question, Iris? Oh, um, yeah. Um, well, let me see. I wrote my questions down. Okay. What rate do sponsors charge um, the investors? Because obviously, you know, they're providing a service. What rates do sponsors charge investors or the investors charge sponsors? Wouldn't it be the sponsors charging the investors? Like, let's say someone ha- is like, okay, you know, I have some money and I want to, instead of just having it sit in the savings account, I want to invest it. So they find a sponsor, um, but they, they have to pay for the sponsor's services, right? You're asking like, what return are they getting for placing their money into a syndication? I'm saying, how does the sponsor get paid? How does the sponsor, I'm trying to understand your question. Sorry. Like, person who's find like who's finding the um like the person who's finding the deals um for that for the investor with the money how how oh, do they someone get- like me yeah like an intermediary yeah um so that's also a very good question and that also has to do with a lot of the regulations um so you have to be very careful how, how one one has to be careful how they go into such an opportunity I am not a broker dealer, um, so I cannot do certain things. I am not allowed to raise money from limited partners for other people's deals. So either I connect people that are general partners together because they both have a say in the deal, or I raise money if it's my deal. If I'm on the deal as a GP, as a co-GP, I can bring investors into my deal. So And, and there are very strict ways about getting paid for all of these things. One is not allowed to take a percentage unless they're a broker dealer uh, based on, on um, the money that comes in for other sponsors. Um, so I'm, I have to take a set fee or only raise for my own deal. So, and every single situation is different and everything is negotiable. So my fee that I take is very different than someone else's fee that they take. And um, I'll sometimes change it based on the deal. If I see that the deal can't handle giving me so much money and I could still help them. And I, and I understand that let's say there was one deal that I was charging a certain amount and it was a very tight deal. It was a good deal, but there wasn't, it was a class A property. Class A often makes less money, but it's a good deal. So I realized that that deal wouldn't be able to pay me that much and still be a good deal. So I did go back and offer a cut in my, in my payments. Um, but that's very, it's very, um, deal specific, um, very intermediary specific and, um, all of it has to follow the SEC regulations. So there's no clear answer there. <laughs> um, kind of a follow-up question that kind of goes hand in hand with that. Um, what is like, if someone wanted to try investing, like, is there a minimum that someone would need to have like some assets? Yeah. So the, uh, if someone, like if someone would want to put money into a deal, is that what you're saying? Like an average person or okay. like, you know, just for people millions in the ring account, I guess. Uh, if there's a minimum. So every, every fund manager will have a different minimum of what they require for you to enter. I put mine at 50,000. Why? Because number one, I feel like people that come in for less, often become more um, more burdensome they it's their it's their last dollar and they they're watching it really 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 carefully and they're going to be the ones that are on your case 24 7 asking you questions what's doing with the deal what's going on they're more of a nudge that's what happens to be um it cannot be your investment can't be your last dollar it has to be um an extra for you um and also i i i there are different kinds of funds my fund happens to be a Reg D 506C. So what that means that I'm only allowed to take money from accredited investors. And I could explain that as well. 
but certain deals, you're only allowed to have certain amount of accredited investors into your deal. Let's say if it's a Reg D 506B, you're only allowed to have 35, uh, no, sorry, you're only allowed to have 35 non-accredited investors into that 506B. I know I'm talking Chinese right now. Um, so sponsors will often make their minimum based on how much money they need because they're only allowed to take in a certain amount of one kind of investor. So it's also very deal specific and fund specific. There are different kinds of funds. There are different things I could say if I'm running a 506B versus a 506C. Um, 506C, I'm allowed to take money only from accredited investors. Accredited investors mean that either they make 200,000 um, a year or 300,000 if they're married or they have a million dollars um, uh, of money besides for their primary home. And there are more definitions to being an accredited investor. So my fund is only allowed to take money from accredited investors. And I'm allowed to advertise it. A 506B fund is not allowed to be advertised and can take money from non-accredited investors. Mm. And yeah. Yeah. But, uh, um, and there's also different kinds of funds. There's crowdfunding. There's crowdfunds, which uh, will often take, sometimes you could even go in with $100. But those often eat up a bunch of your percentage. They'll take, um, they'll eat off a lot of what your profit's going to be. So there's all different kinds of funds that you can invest in. Um, if you have money to invest, it can help direct you, um, to a proper investment opportunity for you to do your own research, but I could kind of help you find your need. Thank you. It looks like there was a question earlier about, um, do you find there is a disadvantage of being a woman in the field? Like investors not taking you seriously? Was that your question, Iris? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to ask that now? I mean, okay, all right, there you go. <laughs> I asked um, so, yeah. <laughs> so when I got started, um, I got started actually knowing nothing. So maybe I sounded like I didn't know anything, but people laughed at me in my face. Um, and they would like throw me off chats. There's a bunch of chats for real estate. They would throw me off and uh, some nice person would come and put me back and then nobody took me seriously. I wouldn't say, I shouldn't say nobody. But many, many, many people didn't take me seriously. Um, so funny. I was switching at one point. I was switching from Keller Williams. To, um, I, I was switching out of Keller Williams. I wanted to switch um, agencies. And I was looking for another agency to go into. Um, and I went and interviewed by, I don't remember how many, but maybe 10 agencies. My internet connection is unstable. Oh, now it's let good. Me know if you, now we can okay. see the video. Yeah. Um, so many I went to interview by many agencies to see, you know, to learn about them and see where I wanted to work. Anyways, all of them wanted to hire me, like on the spot, besides for one, actually one religious company didn't want to hire me. And I was kind of offended. Um, I'm like, and I actually wanted to work with them because they were local and I knew some of the people working there. Anyways, they didn't hire me and everything's meant to be. Um, I ended up finding a virtual brokerage, which worked very well with my lifestyle. So I could be home with my kids and not have to go into an office. I joined EXP. But uh, fast forward over two years later, some agency called me to speak to all their agents. Guess which one it was? The one that didn't want to hire me. He called me to speak to all of his agents. So and all these people that knocked me off the groups initially are all calling me for advice. Um, so the tables have turned and times have changed. And I think, I think by now they respect me. I hope, hopefully, and they see what I've accomplished. Um, I've sort of like proven myself, not, not, not that I care to prove myself to them, but they, they see what's going on. And, um, I think they have a different view on things right now. Um, but yeah, at the beginning it was, I don't know if it was, it was cause I was a, a religious woman or I don't know. If I was just a woman, I don't even know, but I just did feel very um, bashed. Yeah. And uh, I just wanted to add a point that I'm doing all this with eight children. Thank God. Um, I have a large, beautiful wow. family and um, times are not easy. Actually, today's my baby's birthday. She's four. Um, my oldest is 16. And so... If I can do this, I know I'm a little crazy, but if I can do this, anyone could do some of it. Um, so if you're, if you're able to and you have that passion and you have that drive, then go for it. Anything's possible. And I also tell people that 
um, switching careers can also be done. Like I started as a speech language pathologist that served me at that time. Right now that doesn't serve me and that's okay. As long as it works for me and my husband and my family, um, I was able to make the switch. So if something doesn't serve you, if a job doesn't serve you at that time, feel free to find something that does. Like just because you went, I went to school for six years. I paid all that tuition. Doesn't mean I'm locked in for life. Like life moves, life flows. So um, I'm, you know, I'm, advo- I'm an advocate for things working for you at that time. Great. Thank you. Um, what gave you, I guess, with all that like opposition, like what gave you like the koach to, or the chizak to like, you know, to keep doing it? I, I think I'm just super mo- motivated by nature. Um, and like nothing stops me. Um, I, most of the time, uh, I try not to let it get to me. Uh, I'm just a super motivated person. And then, so I just, I guess I have that, that work itch. I don't know the hustle bug. Um, so I just keep, kept on going. I also kind of got lucky because my husband's family had a property that they were selling a commercial property. So that also helped me like throw me into the game. And came, you know, that helped me get into the game of, hey, I have a property for sale. And I started interacting with buyers and investors. So that also, that was like right when I got started into commercial. So I felt like that was also um, really helpful for me getting in. It takes a lot of work, a lot of mazel, and a lot of faith. There's so much of all of that. And all you can do is put in all that effort and keep trying and try not to get discouraged. Thank you. I'm going to let other people ask questions. <laughs> Are there any more questions? No more questions? Uh, there's I mean, one I, thing. I, yeah, go ahead, Iris. No, but like, if you want to, if you want, like, I know we don't have so much time left. So if you want to say something, like, I can hold up. <laughs> I, I just had, I had a question um, that we didn't touch on in the one-on-one I wanted to get to. I, I noticed on your website that, that it talks about how you and your husband have a, have started a nonprofit. And I'd love to, I'd love to hear about that. Okay. So we are very, very big on charity. Um, my husband actually taught me that cause it's not my nature to be so generous. My husband's super generous and he, he actually gives share every single day. Um, and he talks a tremendous amount about giving charity. So this became our motto in our house. We, um, obviously everything we, we make, we give at least 10%. By now we probably give 50%. Or more. Um, we're very, very big on charity, and we actually feel feel like um, giving charity has been our secret sauce. Um, giving charity has been our blessing. Like last year, we transacted a crazy amount of deals, and we only the only thing we could attribute is that we gave a crazy amount of charity, and that helped propel us and bring Hashem's blessing. Um, the, the way things moved didn't even make sense, actually. Like, there's no real answer to how things moved so quickly and how we were able to find certain deals or um, deal with certain banks. We feel like everything was from Hashem because we were out there and giving charity. There's a movie that came out in God We Test. Have you, any of you seen it? So go watch it. Oh, you saw it? Okay. Um, in God We Test, I happen to be on there because the guy... I can't, I, oh, the guy that um, did the film, I went over, I, we were actually speaking at an event at the same time. And I went over to him and I, and I said, you know, I got to give you credit because when, when he did an Instagram live last, before last Rosh Hashanah, and he spoke about the importance of writing down an amount that you're going to give in advance. So yeah, we always give charity, but we never wrote down an, an amount in advance. And um, um, I went to my husband and I, and I asked him like, what should we write down? So he said an amount and the amount that he said we, sh- we should write down was more than we actually made the year before. So he was planning to give more charity than he made the year before. And I turned to him, I said, if you're allowed to test God with charity, why don't we double that number? <laughs> and so can don't you do that. You, can you explain what you mean, test God with charity? That might not be so clear. Oh, okay. Um, the only thing that God says you're allowed to test him in is in charity. That's the only thing. You tell Hashem, you tell God, I'm going to give this. I want 10 times 
back or five times back, whatever. You're allowed to test God with charity. Um, not always does it come in money form. Sometimes it'll come in extra blessings. Sometimes it'll come in something personal that you're working out in. But you say to God, I, I'm testing you with charity. It's the only thing you're allowed to test God with. So I said, if I am going to test God and it really works, why don't we double the number that my husband proposed? And we did. And we were, it was a crazy number. Like we were just, don't, I don't recommend you going crazy like we did, but, um, uh, we were able to give like, like more than 90% of that. Um, and the rest we added into this year, um, to our charity for the coming year. So, um, I, yeah, I recommend you go watch that movie and God we test. So I, I, I went over to the guy. It was his credit that we wrote down the amount. So he asked me to be on the film. And they actually waited for me to produce it because I was in Israel. So he um, waited until I got back um, to get it going. Amazing. Wow. Okay. Esther, so thank you my, so much. That's my real secret sauce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we almost missed it. It only came at the end. Oh, okay. yeah. Glad, I'm glad you asked. Yeah. Any other I, questions? I, could, yeah. I have so much to say. I could keep on going. So. Yeah. <laughs> Just ask. Um, one last question. What okay. resources do you recommend um, to learn? Like, you know, just to learn about the field or. So literally, like just search podcasts that you feel for. Let's say right now I was when I started a fund that was on to like funds. So I went out and started listening to every single fund podcast. When I was a realtor, I was listening to everything about being a realtor. When I wanted to buy a, a, a office building, I, I went and researched people that buy office buildings. Um, another thing I also did when I got started, which, um, which is, uh, I started writing for a magazine, um, when I had just gotten started. So, which was really, really smart. I didn't even realize how smart it was at the time. Um, but what I would do is I would find successful investors and interview them, which they would love. They would love to be highlighted. And it was something different than being on a podcast because I would actually write an article and they were so excited to be in print. Some of them, like they make hundreds of millions of dollars and they were all excited to be on a newspaper. That's amazing. So um, they were, they were all excited about it. And, and at the same time, it helped me establish a relationship with them and learn about their business. Um, so it helped me later on so much. And now I'm working with so many of those individuals. So that was something that I did also giving back. I gave back to them. I highlighted their success. I did something for them, which is also important. If you want to get something from someone, first do things for them before you can request anything. So it's always so much giving and giving in this business that you do for others. And before you request something back of yourself. So I would do that. That actually also helped me also establish a relationship with them and learn from them. It was a segment called learning from the best. Um, I did that for a while and I would just also write other articles and get professional opinions from individuals. So um, there's so much out there. You could just Google anything today's days. Um, You know, I want to before, so I know a lot about the equity side of the business. I want to perfect my knowledge on the debt side of the business. I just Googled some stuff before um, just to listen to some YouTube clips. And if it doesn't sound interesting, oh, there's so many people talking, you could just go to the next um, Spotify. There's, you know, so many, so many podcasts. There's like endless, like uh, I've been on 40 of them or more myself. So um, there's so much to learn. Also, Bigger Pockets is a very good real estate resource. Bigger Pockets. Um, mm-hmm. they, there's so much. You can just spend days on that website. If you want to learn about real estate, you could go check out my podcast too over there. <laughs> um, I was actually on that one. I think 557 is mine. And I was on their live podcasts in New Orleans one time. And I was also on the multifamily mentor show, which is a branch of bigger pockets as well. I flew down to Denver for that one. Um, so there's so, yeah, there's so many. There's multifamily podcasts, there's office podcasts self-storage, mobile hub parks, RV parks, and then there's shows for all these things at meetups. And there's uh, any, or, or you can go to meetups or classes. There's lots of classes that are offered for free even. Um, if you go out there and search, um, so, there's a lot of free resources. Sometimes you have to pay for the bigger ones, but there's so much 
free knowledge out there that you can just start, get yourself started in your specific area and your niche. Okay, we, we have to wrap it up here. We're a few minutes over time. But if anybody, I'm going to put my, um, my email address on the chat here. And if anyone wants to, or, or Esther, if you want, you can put yours on the chat here. And so that people can, can contact you directly with a question. So here, I'll put my uh, social media stuff. Okay. Um, Great. You can contact me by email also, but my oh. email scares me. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I can never catch up with my email. I'm like always, always behind. And that's my Instagram. And then Esther Rises Lowenbein on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a very good place to be if you want to be in the business world. LinkedIn is a hub of, prof- it's like, Facebook buffer professionals. So if you want to be a professional and you want to learn from so many people, there's so much knowledge on LinkedIn and people supporting each other most of the time. Um, so that's the place you want to be uh, for yeah, as a professional. So I definitely recommend joining LinkedIn. I'm pretty active there. Okay, thank you so, so much for your time and for sharing your wisdom and experience. We really appreciate this. It's going to help so many people. And uh, this will be available, of course, the, everyone who joined us today, thank you so much for joining and for your questions. And uh, it'll be available for all our students and really for anyone to listen into and hopefully, you know, for all eternity. All right. Thanks for <laughs> okay. having me on today. So nice to meet all of you. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. You've just listened to another great episode of Our Tribe, the podcast, brought to you by the Podcast Fellowship and hosted by Rabbi Tovia Kopstein. Tune in each week, every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time to hear more great episodes of Our Tribe, the podcast. If you have any suggestions or questions, email us at ourtribe at podcastfellowship.org. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to help the tribe thrive.